Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Justification by faith. To a theologian, these words express one of the most basic principles of the Christian faith. But to many people today, there's simply one more example of Christian jargon that seems to brand the church as too complicated or too out of touch for our time. Is it real? Is it relevant? Does, does it even matter? To the Apostle Paul in our reading today, justification by faith was so important that he repeats it over and over again like a football coach going over and over the same drill again and again. To him and to his first readers, justification by faith was not primarily a theological concept. It was not meant as a technical term that would be understood only by a few select. In fact, it was a response to a very real situation in the life of the church. Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. Here's what we read. We are born Jews, we're not Gentile sinners. However, we know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law, but through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We ourselves believed in Christ Jesus so that we could be made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law. Because no one will be made righteous by the works of the law. But if it is discovered that we ourselves are sinners, while we are trying to be made righteous in Christ, then is Christ a servant of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the very things that I tore down, I show that I myself am breaking the law. I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith, indeed by the faithfulness of God's Son who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't ignore the grace of God because if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You see, it all began with Peter, who had been one of Jesus' closest disciples. At one time, Peter had been a fisherman. But when Jesus called him, Peter immediately followed. He saw Jesus perform many miracles, including the raising of a little girl from the dead. He witnessed Jesus' transfiguration on the mountaintop. He was there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Followed Jesus after his arrest as far as the courtyard of the high priest and ran to the empty tomb after Jesus' resurrection. Just as Peter had been a leader among Jesus' first disciples, he also became a leader in the early church. It was Peter who preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost 
when the Holy Spirit came with power and came upon all of those believers that were there. Peter healed a crippled beggar at the temple gate in Jerusalem. He was arrested and testified to Jesus' resurrection before the religious authorities. When one of Jesus' followers in Joppa fell ill and died, Peter even raised her from the dead. One day, Peter received a strange vision. Something like a huge sheet filled with all kinds of animal. A voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Now, as a proper Jew, Peter was horrified. He was well-schooled and, pra and practiced in the biblical dietary code. You see, certain animals were clean and could be eaten. Other animals were unclean and were forbidden to be eaten. He could barely look at that strange mix of animals in his, in his vision, and he refused to eat any of them once, twice, three times. And finally, the vision ended. As Peter soon learned, the vision was not about food, about what to eat and what not to eat. By the leading of the Holy Spirit, he came to understand that his vision was about people. Yeah, people who had been declared clean and people who had been declared unclean. And as the voice had said to him in the vision, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. You see, for Peter in his time, and for his people, that meant accepting both Jews and Gentiles into the fellowship of the church. By faith in Jesus Christ, both had been made clean. They were no longer separated by the laws of religious rituals. They could now sit and eat together at the same table. They could now worship and fellowship together under the same roof. They could now celebrate the Lord's Supper together, for they were now all part of the same body. Peter himself demonstrated this by eating with Gentile believers hosting them in his home, granting them for baptism on confession of their faith. Yet, at some point, somewhere between Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2, Peter reversed himself and began to hold back from eating with the Gentiles. So just before what we read uh, in Galatians 2, verses 11 through 14, the Apostle Paul criticizes Peter for his reversal. Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Here's what it says. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. He had been eating with the Gentiles before certain people came from James. 
But when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of the people who had promoted circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also joined him in this hypocrisy that even Barnabas got carried away with in their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they weren't acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of everyone, if you, though you're a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you require the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, we don't have Peter's side of the story here, but Paul clearly interprets this as fear on the part of Peter. He was afraid of what others might think. So Peter acted against the vision that he received, against what had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, against what Peter knew to be the truth. What's more, since Peter was a leader in the church, his actions now influenced the other Jewish Christians to separate themselves from the Gentiles. So Paul, he's so incensed over this that he accuses Peter of hypocrisy in front of everyone. So, so this is the backdrop to the scripture that we read. Peter and others had begun to separate themselves once again from the Gentiles. They were acting contrary to the gospel that had set them free and had made them one with all who now believe. You see, they were acting as if Jesus' life, death, and resurrection had not happened. It is no wonder Paul was so incensed. No wonder he used such strong language over and over again. He wanted to be very clear. It was not keeping that law that made a person right with God, but it was the justification that came by faith in Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of Christ had changed everything. His resurrection had changed everything. As Paul writes later in Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. You see, in Christ, there is no reason for Jews and Gentiles to eat separately. No reason for Paul or, or Peter or any others to break fellowship with the rest. See, although it might sound like complicated Christian jargon to our ears today, justification by faith was actually a response to this very live and very practical issue in the life of the early church. Justification was just another way of saying being made righteous or being made right with God. It's like, you know, the margins of the book might be justified. In other words, they line up together and form a straight line up and down the page. 
being justified in God's sight means lining up with God. The word made righteous appears three times in verse 16 alone. A person is made righteous not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be made righteous by faith in Christ. No one will be justified by the works of the law. And then in the strongest possible words, the text ends in verse 21, for if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You see, justification does not come by what we do. It is not a product of our own work. Instead, it is a result of the work of Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God, as Paul says at the end of our text. In other words, it is a gift. It is undeserved, but it is freely given of God to us. It is not something we have to earn. It is something that we accept by faith. God is the one who lines us up. He is the one who makes us justified. Our part is to live that way. To live in a way consistent with God's grace. To live in a way that expresses the truth of the gospel. To live as people who have been justified by faith. And you see, that's exactly where, where Peter had fallen short. That's where the Galatians were also in danger of falling into the same error. You know, today, hypocrisy and personal integrity continue to be challenges for the church for all of us. Peter has lots of company. In our own day, some church leaders have been taken to task in very public ways for their failure to live according to the very truths that they have preached. The issues today are not so much about eating together, but, but they revolve around the big three of money, sex, and power. Church leaders have preached about giving, but have sometimes spent too much on themselves and in some cases have even embezzled funds. Some have preached about faithfulness in marriage and then were later caught in adultery or prostitution. Some have preached on the lordship of Jesus Christ while at the same time misusing their own authority in a church or a parachurch organization. Now, it's true that these are isolated instances. In fact, that's why they're newsworthy. In part, it's because they are isolated instances. But they are also cautionary tales for all of us, since the challenges of faithful living and hypocrisy are not limited to those in church leadership. There are times when every one of us has acted against our better judgment, acted against what we know to be true, acted against God's grace and the gospel in our lives. We may not have made the headlines, 
but we also sometimes fall short of faithful living in our use of time, in money, in our marriage, our family life, our work life, in the way we treat other people, in the choices we make for leisure and recreation, and many other ways, both large and small. Now, some have said to me, the church is full of hypocrites. And you know what? In a way, they're right. Every church, from the first pew to the last pew, all of us, we all stumble. We all fall. We must all plead guilty. Like Peter, there are times when we also need to be confronted, when we need someone else to point out our own blind spots. We need to be reminded that if we are justified by faith, and since we have been justified by faith, we need to live that way with integrity. So at the same time, we might also say the church is full of forgiven hypocrites. Right from the pulpit to the very last pew, there is hope for all of us. By God's grace... We can repent, and we can change our ways. We can receive God's forgiveness, and we can be made right with God again. We can live a new life. Not because we're justified by the law or our own ability to live with integrity, but because we have been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we don't know really how, Paul, how Peter responded to Paul's rebuke. Did he continue to avoid eating together with Gentiles? Did he get defensive and try to explain away his bad behavior? Did he immediately recognize his fault and mend his ways? Did he talk to Barnabas and the others who had followed his lead and redirect their misguided actions as well? We don't really know the answers to these questions in Peter's life. But what about our own response? Do we get defensive and try to find excuses for our own bad behavior? Do we recognize our own failings and seek to turn ourselves around? Do we make amends with anyone that Maybe we've misled. These are very real and relevant questions for our own time. You know, Luther once wrote, I do not come because my soul is free from sin and pure and whole and worthy of thy grace. I do not speak to thee because I've ever justly kept thy laws and dare to meet thy face. I know that sin and guilt combine to reign o'er every thought of mine and turn from good to ill. I know that when I try to be upright and just and true to thee, I am a sinner still. I know that often when I strive to keep a spark of love alive for thee, the powers within leap up in unsubmissive might and oft benumb my sense of right and pull me back to sin. I know 
that in doing good, I spend my life. I never could atone for all I've done. But though my sins are black as night, I dare to come before thy sight because I trust thy Son. In him alone I trust. I come boldly to thy throne of grace and there commune with thee. Salvation sure, O Lord, is mine and all unworthy I am thine for Jesus died for me. Justification by faith. It's not just a bit of dusty theology or Christian jargon. It makes a real difference in the way we live. With faith in Jesus, who has set us free from sin, with trust in God who justifies us by the free gift of grace, with integrity in all that we say and all that we do. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we often fall short in living out the truth of your good news. In this moment, we receive again your forgiveness and grace. We remember again that we have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And now we live in him. In his name. Amen. Well, we've come to that moment in our program where we have our special offer. Each and every week, we'd like to put a resource out and offer that to you so that you can better understand God's will for your life and add that to your spiritual library. And we always do our best to try to get those offers out to you in a timely manner. Uh, and the actual offer that we have presented. It, it doesn't always happen that way. We sometimes get backlogged or we sometimes run out of the offers. And what we do in that case is we'll send a replacement offer, something that is comparable because we would be, we're unable to get the, the offer, the original offer that was made. And so I just hope you understand that. And so uh, today I have a little booklet. It's called um, Time for Peace. It, it's a really short little booklet. It's really well done. You know, it talks about if you're troubled or stressed or overwhelmed by the cares of this life with guilt, this is a great resource for you. So we'd like to send this to you. Um, we're going to give you the information in just a second. This will appear in your home by mail, free of charge, no obligation whatsoever on your part. Um, it's a gift. That's just simply a gift. And so we're going to give you the information. We're going to try to take your call, those of you that call in. We get overwhelmed sometimes with the number of callers, and so you'll get the answering machine. If you do that and you're going to leave a message, please help us by leaving your name and your mailing address. That just allows us to go through this process much quicker rather than having to follow up the call with you to get your address. So just leave it on the service. Here is my name. 
Here is my mailing address. Here is the offer I would like to receive, okay? So if you would like to receive this one, the time for peace, pay close attention to the information we're about to give you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So before we go, uh, I just want to remind you of a few things. Uh, first, I want to remind you of our website, l4ltv.com. Uh, while on the website, all of our previous programs are available there all the way from the very first program we ever broadcast. You can go onto the previous programs tab and you can click on that. You can have access to all of those, all of those programs. We have uh, what we call an archived sermons tab. And that's um, where I've got, I have different messages that I've delivered in different places that deal with some interesting topics like what happens to us when we die or uh, who or what is 666. There's a video presentation and then there is a PDF handout that you can download and print at, for further study on that topic. So check that out. There's a tab that says live appearances. And so there you'll find out where I may be appearing live or where we will have like a live streaming broadcast. If you'd like to join us on that, you can find that on the live appearances tab. And then there's a donate today tab. And self-explanatory, that's for folks that wish to support the ministry through a financial contribution. We are a charitable organization, so every dollar that is donated is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes. All of the money that is donated to the ministry goes directly to the ministry. It goes to paying for the airtime, the gifts, the studio time. Uh, none of that money comes to myself or my family in, in any type of salary or bonus or anything. It all gets reinvested back into the ministry directly. And so I just wanted you to, to, to know that and understand that. Um, and so check out l4ltv.com. Our social media presence, follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, I put out a one-minute devotional video. You can get access to that. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out missionnowcanada.com. That's the overseas humanitarian work 
that our organization does, maybe you can join us on an upcoming mission trip overseas, missionnowcanada.com. The folks here in the studio are telling me we are all out of time. I really appreciated you being with us here. I hope we'll do this again next time, and I hope you'll be here. God bless you. We'll see you then.